What is up, good people? Welcome to Music Mostly, the podcast where we celebrate the music that is important to us. Thank you so much for joining us. Off the rip, shout out to the amazing people in the service and hospitality industries. Keep in mind that these amazing people show up every damn day to take care of you and yours. So please, please, please mask up, tip like a rock star, and don't be a dick. You wrote in on Olson Olson, and I am ecstatic <laughs> to be joined by my good friend and regional icon, Mr. James. Did somebody say tater tots? Scott. Hello, Jimbo. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> what? I don't know. I'm just the thing I'm trying out. Off guard. Uh, I'm, I'm caught off guard if that's what you intended to do. You succeeded, <laughs> sir. Uh, we are joined, as always, by audio engineer, jingle master, and not only the president, but also a client, Mr. Brian Gardner. How are you today, Brian? Oh, very well. Very well. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh. not because he has any like, hair implants or anything, because it's actually it's, a No, it's because he just shaved his entire beard off last week. I was going to say, yeah. <gasps> Threw us for Damn a loop. It. I mean, you know, yeah. it seems like a conflict of interest at points, you know, you're president and a client. <laughs> I didn't even notice oh. how handsome you are. I don't well, think that's really the case, but thank you. So so handsome, it's <laughs> unnoticeable. <laughs> so handsome, it's hard to look at. It's so subtle. It's so <laughs> subtle. Oh, uh, guys. All right. Before we get going, I'd like to remind you that we tweet the playlist to our shows a few days before the episode drops. So you have a chance to listen to the music that we will be talking about today. So follow us on Twitter at Music Mostly Pod. All right, now guys, things happened in 1964. Cassius Clay changed the game by changing his name to Muhammad Ali. Dr. Robert Moog spawned the birth of electronic music by debuting his first synthesizer. And Sergio Leone struck gold with his film Fistful of Dollars. Fistful of Dollars was not the first so-called spaghetti western to hit the big screen, but it was the first to hit pay dirt, and many imitators followed. The spaghetti western is one of the most beloved B-movie genres in the game. Chances are that one of its films is in your dad's top five. The whole lone hero riding into town, righting the wrongs, dispensing country justice on his own terms thing is an easy buy-in, made even easier so by the phenomenal film scores. Two years later... The most famous spaghetti western, the king daddy of them all, the good, the bad, and the ugly, came out, solidifying the career of one Clinton Eastwood Jr. Perhaps even more famous than the film is the music. The iconic <whistles> is one of the most, if not the most, recognized whistles in music. You whistle that and everybody knows exactly what you're doing. The soundtrack to the good, the bad, and the ugly is film perfection. Everyone knows the theme song, but for my money, the song with the most legs is Ennio Morricone's The Ecstasy of Gold. The opening guitar in the song is iconic. The song plays in the film while Tuco searches a cemetery for a grave containing $200,000 in gold coins. 
Fast forward 15 years and Metallica starts using the song as their walk-on music for shows. They've used it for every show played since 1983. The Ramones use it as their closing music. Jay-Z sampled it for Blueprint 2. It was used in Jackass 2. The Simpsons used it. It's been in advertising campaigns from L.L. Bean to Dolce & Gabbana. It has 39 million plays on Spotify. Ennio Morricone was a bad, bad man. With 400 scores to his name, he was one of the most prolific composers in the world. For the Dollars Trilogy, the three famous spaghetti westerns with Leone, the budget was so tight that Morricone had no access to a proper orchestra. A lesser man would have come with some half-step nonsense, but Ennio was not a lesser man. He employed gunshots, cracking whips, whistles, voices, trumpets, and the new Fender electric guitar instead of orchestral arrangements, using his special effects to punctuate and comically tweak the action. A few paragraphs at the beginning of a second-rate podcast is not near enough to cover the 92 glorious years that NEO gave this world, and we're not going to attempt to do so today, because today we're not going to talk about the ecstasy of gold. Today, we're going to be talking about the gold of XTC. Depending on who you ask, the Swindon England group is pop, art rock, new wave, post-punk, art punk, or progressive pop. We're going to explore this genre-spanning theme today as we discuss two very different albums by one very the same band. In 1979, XTC put out the very post-punk Drums and Wires. Nine years later, they put out the ethereal, ethereally poppy Skylarking. They put out a ton of stuff in between, but for brevity, we will narrow our focus to these two records. So saddle up, good people, and get ready for the joy, the madness, the pure gold that is XTC. But before we get to that, James, what have you been listening to this week? Well, I got to tell you, man, there's a 2021 record by Tomahawk that is kind yeah, of is. changing a little bit what Mike Patton has done. He's using that Grandpa Simpson voice. Remember that? Yeah. Don't let anybody know that that, that on that one record. It was, I think it was, um, I think it was uh, uh, one of the Mr. Bungle records. It was uh, Disco Valente, right? He has a Don't tell anybody. Don't let anybody know. That's a weird voice like that sort of like Grandpa Simpson. He's using that, but in a different way, a much clearer way. And he's like, I don't know, man. He's like hitting stuff. I, I haven't heard him hit. He's, he sounds really, really inspired. He sounds like, like he's something's pushing his buttons and he's, and he's rising again. It also sounds a little all over the place, which I like. I don't know if you, you felt the same way. Yeah, I did. And, that's and what's I, cool I, about it. <laughs> yeah, it's like everywhere. There are like, there are moments that are like, pure really pretty pop songs with an ugly side and then yeah and then, you know and then there's like just like straight up like like void mostly void of melody stuff i don't know yep. there's a lot of there's a lot of melody in the record though too uh, uh, just it's listen good. to it it's, it's called good. like um tonic um unsettled unsettled tonic something like that i don't know it's a good record i didn't write it fabulous down. Brian, what have you been listening to? Uh, well, a lot of things that stemmed from listening to XTC, which went in the directions of the Smithereens. Ooh. And then from there, that led to Cracker. And a lot of other stuff, but I guess those were the two prominent ones recently that I've been enjoying otherwise. Nice. I'm going to listen to Cracker in a minute. Uh, I do enjoy Cracker. 
It's wonderful. I do. I do yeah, enjoy crying. Went for the the golden age. Which is a Remember this? No stormy. We we all had plans to go see him. Right? It was a Sunday yeah. night. It was like got, if it yeah. snows hard enough that we can't open the bar, but they still have the haunt open, and that show's happening. Let's fucking go. <laughs> of course, it but didn't happen. They they yeah. They, Neither yeah, bar they opened, the and the show was canceled. And, and the show was canceled. Uh, Turns out the show must not always go on. Yeah. Or shit. Or shit. <laughs> um, Will. Uh, so I've been listening to Pigeons playing ping pong. They just put a new album out. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is really, really good if you like just like fun, funky, jammy stuff. Yeah, um, they're very jam bandish kind of yeah, stuff, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's amazing. Uh, and I also listened to this reggae group called the Young Israelites, and I did that because they followed us on Instagram. So Ooh, I followed them back and I listened to that record. It's really good. Goddamn. Um, awesome. Let's, let's be like, friends um, with these guys. I love that shit. Yeah, it's like 60s kind of soul reggae. Like, it's like, sounds like real, like old school. It's really That's cool. cool. It's got the old school production. I will be. Yeah, checking. yeah. It's not like, not like, like heavy dub reggae, but like, you know. Yeah, but it's really, really nice. I will be so checking I enjoyed that. that. Um, all right. Well, I'll tell you what, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to dig into these two records. And uh, it's a wild ride, people. So buckle up. We'll be right back. And we are back We're talking about XTC this week. We are going to talk about two of their records and kind of how they're different and really just to, to try and show how a band can grow and change their sound and, uh, and put out two very, very, very different records that are amazing in their own rights. So the first one of the two is called Drums and Wires. It was released on August 17th, 1979, recorded at the Townhouse Studio in London, England. This one was produced by Steve Lillywhite, hired based on his work with Susie and the Banshees, and engineered, Brian, by your boy Hugh Padham. Oh, yeah, Hugh. I knew it was the combination. I couldn't remember who did what. Yeah, I thought that maybe they had both produced, um, but, it, but according to the credits, Hugh Padham was the engineer. Uh, this was their third studio album. And it was regarded by Andy Partridge as the first album where Colin Moulding started to take off as a songwriter. So one of the things, Jimbo, that you wanted to talk about was that there's two songwriters in this band, Andy Partridge and Colin Moulding, and they don't co-write. No, I don't think they do. I did find a song where they both sing together, though. We'll talk about that. Okay. Okay. So on this one, there's 12 tracks on the original release, four by Colin Moulding, including the hit Making Plans for Nigel. Right. The other eight by Andy Partridge. What I thought was interesting, and I don't know if you guys have any more insight into this, was between the UK and US original releases and bonus releases, there's 15 tracks associated with this record. If you go to Spotify and look it up, there's 15 tracks on it. The US and the UK original releases each had 12 songs, but different songs and in different order. And I don't know why. Huh. So ma Making Plans for Nigel is the... First track on the UK release, it was the track number three on the US original release. Interesting. What, what was track one? I don't know. Scissor Man? That kind of makes a big what? difference in a weird way. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I just, I, I thought that was interesting. And, oh, you um, know what? I, I think I know what it was. I think it was, um, oh, I know exactly what it was. Uh, I'll get to my notes. It was... Um, uh, like either day in, day out, or um, 
It was Life Begins at the Hop, which Life was... Be- yeah, and that was not yeah. on the UK original release. No, it got released later on wow. Black Sea. It was on Black Sea. It was on the next record. Yeah. That's an odd... Con- like, I... That changes a record, no? Mix, mixing yeah, the track well, record and like then, that is kind then, of a different experience. The song uh, Day In, Day Out, which is one of my faves, on the, it was on the original UK release. It was not on the U.S. release. It wasn't until like a bonus track in 2001 that that got put on the U.S. version. Yeah, and I think that's one of the strongest songs on the record. But anyway. Um, but this, okay, so this album is stylistically, like, for me... Because I hadn't I hadn't listened to this until we started uh, listening to them for this record. You guys, for context, are big fans of both of these records and are very familiar with them. I was unfamiliar with them until we started listening for this. Uh, but in this one, I mean, I hear The Clash. I hear Elvis Costello. I hear, like, The Romantics. I hear a lot of that, like, early new wave, post-punk. I mean, that, in this album, like, a lot of second wave ska type influence on this record. Uh and it's frantic. Like, this album is very in your face. Like, you will listen to it. I was thinking the word spastic, actually. Spastic is a better yeah. word. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's, it's intentionally, it's, it's mocking itself. It's almost, uh, the term, and I, I, I don't mean this as an insult, boneheaded come, like, kept coming to mind. In the sense of, yeah, it's just, it's so. I, I, think, that, um, I think that Andy Partridge would call him everybody's. Awkward round-headed uncle. <laughs> I think I read that like in a in an interview at some point. Okay, and that's yeah. he's that's how he thinks of himself, and that's the character he will continue to play. Oh, maybe throughout. that that makes sense then. Yeah. Uh, do you guys have anything to say about the production of this record, Brian? I know you're fan, big fan of both of these producers slash engineers, so. Uh, this record, I mean, I guess for when it came out, paved the way for a lot of sounds to come on records, specifically in like the like 83, like 82, 83 range. Uh, you know, you're talking about stuff like Elvis, Elvis Costello. Uh, I mean, even going as far as like Psychedelic Furs, we need Steve Lillywhite's all over that stuff. Uh, so, yeah, this was earlier than some of that. So I think it was starting to push into that new wave sound with that real like kind of tight and dry. You know, everything's very, each instrument's pretty prominent. Like, and maybe that's a Hugh Padham thing too, but Jimbo, what's your thoughts? I think the use of certain mechanisms like the delay and the end of complicated game uh, how it repeats Ooh, yeah. and repeats and repeats. And oh, yeah, that's it, awesome. It's such an intense element in a song. And it's like you got into a song that, like, is, I'm not going to say unlistenable. It's a great song. It's an amazing song. It's just, it's not for the everyday Joe. And then you're asked to sit through this repetitive delay thing, which right now I crave. I, w- I just want to turn it up so loud and just listen to it right now in my house. Don't get me wrong. I love it so much. I just don't think the average listener was ready for it. And there was something a little too intense at the time. But it's amazing music, and I love it. It's, and Jimbo, can I, can I ask a question? Because as I, I, you know I love that song as well. And listening to it so intently while doing this, I questioned if it was actually a delay or if they were just 
recording his voice like over and then like just laying it in. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, which I mean, essentially, is the same. It's what a delay does. Yeah. It just no, has more of, of like a, a distinct possible. like where it's almost different. Like each each line is delivered yeah, just, differently. Just, it's a little yeah yeah because sometimes it's like he's he actually says complicated game and sometimes he doesn't. Like, you know, a delay is specifically replicating what you yeah. just said, where yeah. this sounds like each one might be different. Yeah. It sounds almost like he was, like, singing along to it. I, I, what I thought was really cool about that, because, so, Jimbo, you had said that when you first heard this record, and you've been listening to this record damn near your entire life. Uh, pretty much, and, yeah. My, my and, adult uh, life, yeah. And you said that, you know, it took a while for that to grow on you, and and incidentally i was like really i really like that like the first time i heard it I thought it was oh no, no no now the first time i heard it i was not i mean i was a 42 year old adult but i so anyway where i'm going with this is i started listening to just specifically to that part a little more intently and it's really interesting that there's the the repeating part that you're talking about and as that's going on the rest of the band fades out underneath it yeah um, yeah slowly but then as soon as the rest of the band is out then the repeating start starts to fade out. Yeah. So it's not like it just kind of, it's, it's very deliberate, which I mean, of course you're recording a record. Everything's deliberate, but yeah. like it, it was definitely like, to me, like they were like this, they, they were like, this is how we're going to do this. It wasn't like a, you know, sometimes when something fades out, you're kind of like, well, they couldn't figure out how to write an end. So they just faded it out. Oh no, this had, <laughs> yeah, this was, this was, yeah, this, this, was, in, this yeah. is with intention. I think. I mean, yeah. yeah. This I was agreed. like, uh, yeah. I mean, this whole record kind of was, I mean, and it was all about the, the studio tricks of the day. It was, it was like yeah, the production of the day. Of its time. Right. Yeah. It has a lot of slick tricks and, and cool production elements and recording techniques. It did. And it also, it, it, it led to the next thing. And it was yes. one of the stepping stones. Yeah. I think. Agreed. Definitely. Yeah. Like when you, for me, it was songwriting as well. I was surprised that it, it came out in 79 like it's like you were saying brian like when i heard it the first couple of times if you had to ask me to guess when it came out i would have said 83 84 yeah, yeah so right. it definitely is like ahead of its time yeah, i never it, it i never knew yeah it, it had a it had an influence for sure yeah um okay so fast forward nine right did i say that right nine years I think it's seven only, years. I, hold on, I want to look years. at my list again. No, seven, seven years. Long. Yeah, seven years. It is seven, it's seven or six, even. 86 was Skylarking. Uh, Sky, yeah, yeah, October 27th, 1986. That's, that's seven years. Uh, Sky, that's seven years. It, it's, <laughs> it just depends on, on if you want to do the math correctly. I don't want to um, think about it because there's the British release, it's the American release. I didn't hear this right. until 89. I didn't hear this until 80 fucking eight, probably. Okay. Three mm -hmm. years later, two years later. 1988. I can do great I was, math. I can tell you I was not listening to this. I can tell you I was listening to Weird Al Yankovic <laughs> in 1988. That he was did one not do a parody of Dear God. He didn't do it. He didn't. <laughs> it would be a good one, though. What, Dear Frog. Yeah. Anyway, okay, so this one, this one was recorded in uh, at Utopia Sound Studios in Woodstock, New York, and the Sound Hole Studios in San Francisco, California. This was produced by Todd Rundgren. It is generally regarded as XTC's finest work. Uh, it is a loose concept album um, at, that was put as a way to bridge what uh, Rungren, I think Rungren or 
I want to say maybe this was Andy Partridge, said as a way to bridge what he described as Collins' pastoral tunes and subject matter to Andy's pop anthems and sly poetry. Um, it's 14 tracks, five by Colin Moulding, nine by Andy Partridge. And I'll just let you guys talk about this one. Suffice it to say, the Wikipedia page for this album is amazing. There's information about every song. You should definitely go check it out. And there was all kinds of beef between Andy Partridge and Todd Rundgren during the production of this record. So, Jimbo, go. I don't want to focus on the beef. Um, I, I think that what they put out was, like, pretty awesome. So, let's well, just... Well, beef can, can lead to brilliance. I mean, yeah. I think so. Look at those fighting Irishmen. Who are those guys? The Liam and what's his name? Oh, the Gallagher's. Oh, the, the Gallagher's. Oh, yeah, they beat each other from, all the time. Uh, yeah, they like, like li- physically hit each other and fight. <laughs> Manchester. Like my favorite but, uh, uh, ginger um, guy from Elbow. Uh, yes. <laughs> well, I think that it can be. It's, it's always interesting when something is regarded as a band's finest work and then you hear that like the producer and them butted heads a lot because then you wonder, would it have been had the producer not kind of like made some hard calls? I think it could push, it could push boundaries of things where you can go insane, but you also create something amazing out of it because of how fucking tested you are because of someone else i think that in the end of of all that we're talking about i can hear both of those voices in this music i can hear todd rundgren's production for sure sure. um but also andy partridge like really 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 shine on this record he like well i mean they both did they they wrote a story they i don't think they knew they were writing a story but they did they wrote it like a, a a it was a journey to just go through it. And it's like, and then it got challenged and sort of like limited releases because of controversial material and stuff. And it's like, you know, so they had to like release with another song. And now we've got a song with, you know, now a, a, a collection with another song. In. Yeah. Yeah. What was that song? Mermaid Smiled. Oh, what was the Is song? That, that, the got, one? That, that was their replacement <laughs> song. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, Mermaid okay. Smile is a replacement song, but uh, Dear God is the controversial song. Right. Yeah, and this would have been, I don't know, two, three, maybe four years before Like a Prayer came out. I don't remember how controversial that song was. Oh, I mean, yeah. I feel like I, I late 80s, early it. 90s, anything about God was just really controversial. Yeah, you had yeah. to. Yeah. Well, you had to break through with, like, you know, looking hot like Madonna as opposed to looking like everybody's favorite round-headed uncle, you know. <laughs> Sitting in a tree doing this song that was kind of important. (laughs) Well, and Madonna was already, when she put that out, Madonna was already a a star, like a bona fide star. Bona fide. Yeah, these guys were, you know. Um, I think it's interesting to me that you could write a concept album by two songwriters who do not, they didn't really write together. It wasn't that, a collaborative. I mean, it was collaborative in like, I don't, I don't know if maybe Todd Rundgren had a lot to to do with making it gel. I don't, I don't know. I think that for for a lot of years, both of those guys had like a hundred songs at their disposal all the time. I think they just okay. sat there and wrote songs and wrote songs and wrote songs. They didn't release everything. They just had the creme de la creme to release, and they actually in that moment they look for songs that that um 
made sense together. Okay. That makes sense. Um, let's talk real quickly. Or not. We can take our time. Whatever. Um, <laughs> I, I got some place to be, bro. I've got like a I mean, brisket on the thing. <laughs> a brisket in the smoker. Um, about the sound. We talked about how drums and wire sound. This is a very different album. I mean, this is a beautiful, yeah. like in a classic like a very dreamy kind of sense of word. I, like, I like to use pretty, the word lush it's lush yes it's yeah, lush but it's also i i mean mm. it, to me it sounds like way more of a nod of like the 60s style like pet sounds beach boys era beatles you know rubber soul kind of white album that whole territory where it hef- like a lot of it the to- tonally to me sounds like that yeah I don't know if anyone else was getting that. No, I totally feel it. Yeah, yeah. I, I hear um so the 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 first time I listened to this, I was like, wow, like Beatles Beach Voice. That's what I hear. Yeah. As opposed to Elvis Costello Clash. Right. You know, specials. <laughs> yeah. Um I feel like there's a lot of there's just a lot more vocal harmonies. On this well the, yeah, I think the musical composition and, like drove the sound of it. So like just they, say, there are harmonies on this record. Well, here's what I think. Is, harmony, right? What I would say is that um, over the years, I think that over, like, if you listen to the other six albums that are in there, um, you'll five. hear, you'll hear five. Is that what we decided? We decided on five. Damn it. Again, do, it's because we decided to do the math correctly. Okay. <laughs> um, anywho, um, what we're talking about okay so if you listen to <laughs> the connection between the vocalists over the years you hear them start to sing together more and more and more and it develops mm-hmm. into that thing which was the beatles and the beach boys that you guys are talking about and it's a, a little bit uh maybe a little bgs in there i don't know get a little bgs yeah no I, i'll give there's you that lo- definitely there's a lot of stuff in there i mean it's definitely not specific to that so yeah there's a lot of stuff going on in this record there is all right so I'll tell you what let's do. Let's talk about the two hits. There's one on each record. Let's talk about those real quickly, and then we'll go to a break, and then we'll come back, and we'll, we'll really kind of get more into it. But uh, Drums and Wires had Making Plans for Nigel, which was written by Colin Molding, and Skylarking had Dear God, which was written by Andy Partridge. And those were – it was just – Jimbo, you, were, you had said it was just interesting that they had these two hit songs, and they were each written by one of the – songwriters yeah i think that I, I i mean i can't think of another time that's ever really happened that i i mean with just two you know like and that's right. only on the american charts too so i mean like they had other things on, on on british charts as well but like over the years it's pretty much i mean maris simpleton came and like there was a couple other things but these were the two songs you know and it's like they were literally what seven with five five years apart is that we decided? Seven? Seven. Seven. Okay. Seven. Five albums, seven years, two songwriters, one hell of a journey. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, All right. We are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to get more into these two records. We'll be right back. And we are back. 
Okay, so we are talking about Drums and Wires and Skylarking by XTC. And so <clears throat> for me, listening to each of these for the first time, it just kind of like, I, I couldn't get over how much Drums and Wires sounded very, very much of its time and era, like late 70s, early 80s, and how Skylarking didn't. It didn't sound like mid 80s to me. Like it just kind of sounded way more like 60s kind of psychedelic pop type um which I, I just i just found interesting because it's it's like you would expect a band that was like kind of ahead of its time earlier in its career to continue to be ahead of its time and, and it's not that skylarking was like passe or anything like that i mean it just was it's just an interesting creative choice to kind of pivot and go back so that i don't and I don't know if I'm thinking about that correctly or not, but that just kind of struck me as I was listening to them. Of so. all eras of music, it seems like an unlikely time to choose to do that. Not, I feel like not many other bands were doing that in that time. So maybe they were ahead of their time once again by <laughs> going outside of the lines, but <laughs> who knows? I, I feel like the quality with which they did it is also of note. Like you can't, you can't like ignore the fact that like, okay, it wasn't just doing it. It was doing it really goddamn well. And they kind of, they did. I mean, it's not just skylarking. It's also, it's also like the, which I found out was the next record. The new Stratosphere um, Sonic Sunspot was kind of like the next, you know, it it was continuing that direction. Probably leftovers from Skylarking. I don't know. I, I believe it actually is. I, I, that says I, I read that somewhere. So these guys write a record. They write thirty damn songs, and they put out fifteen of them. And then they what? What are you gonna do with the other fifteen songs? And I gotta uh, tell you, the the second record is pretty damn good. <laughs> Sonic Sunspot well, they, is they're, really yeah. damn good. Yeah, and they're so prolific. I mean, they just um, yeah. They put out five records in the and seven years between yeah, that's, the two albums. Yeah, that's a lot. I mean, but they're. I mean, and you have to look at them. They're like the production is closer to uh, drums and wires. It's making it's making a the production, the songwriting, everything. There's a transition happening between those two records, and uh, if you want to hear it, listen to it. I urge you to. It's it's quite an experience. Um, but start at the beginning. And I don't know, or start at the end, whatever you want to do. We'll start then. Go backwards. Yeah. Sure. You can do what you want. You're grown ups. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, right around Drums and Wires, that was when they stopped touring, right? Yeah. Like Andy Partridge had some health issues. Were they mental health issues or just health issues? They're just issues with like being in public and being on stage, I think. I think he had like serious, like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be in, a, like, a, in front of a crowd of people. It's, it's freaking right. me out. I don't want to do it. And I think that can happen. I think it's actually a normal response to like a person not wanting to be in front of a crowd of people. I get it. Mm-hmm. It's hard, man. It's fucking weird sometimes, you know? Yeah, I can also kind of see as you stop playing live shows, your music moving from kind of like a, a high energy, you know, much more punk 
kind of sound where where you really would be feeding off of your audience into something that to me doesn't seem to require as much energy coming at you from the crowd to like get you juiced up to make the, uh, an album like Skylarking. If that makes sense. No, it totally does. And I think that probably that had a lot to do with it. Um, it took a few albums though. If you, if you actually listen to um, their, their catalog, you'll hear that it, there were a, a, a few very, and like Black Sea was pretty energetic and angry. It was kind of the studio version of Drums and Wires in a way. It was like it had, it had a lot of the same elements, but they were darker and more studio oriented than the sort of live uh, bouncy feel of Drums and Wires. But certainly they, as, as they continued on, they got more spiritual, I think. It's a horrible thing to say. I don't know why I'm raising my voice like this in the end of my sentences. But <laughs> like, more spiritual, like that's I don't the, know. Well, Jimbo, you had <laughs> said people do, and I quote: "Wicked tones in skylarking." Yeah, um, which is, I, I, and it is a a, a nat- natural nat- naturistic. It's all about the tone. seasons. It's all about like yeah. It's talking about summer's cauldron, and then it goes in like rain and seasons and weather and like nature and blah blah. The entire thing is all green. If you don't stink, like you've been rolling around in the in, in somebody's lawn for an hour, you probably shouldn't listen to this record. It's probably just not well, you could still listen to it. Well, you could, but imagine yourself rolling around in somebody's lawn for an yeah. hour. Well, the whole, the second song is called Grass. Yeah. And it's about it's about rolling around in the, in the grass. I mean, that's... Or, or is there a double entendre? Is it? Um, um, there's that, and then the next one is... Um, the Medium Place. Mini place also like sort of like like it's this is like high school like you know like a, a clandestine meeting you know like you know it's like it's not it's, it feels naughty lover so I didn't mean to be something like Sean Connery just like, <laughs> and then the next one is called that's really super super girl and I, I, that's a that's a standout track for me yeah this I'm is really the like one that. where you're I like, like the if you got like a Jeep Wrangler from the 80s and you have a really good sound <laughs> And your cowboy hat and your pop, 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 pop at the, at the stoplight. This sounds like mm-hmm. a, a personal experience of yours, Jimbo. Oh, and it's a fantasy. It's a, oh, it's a, okay. it's a fantasy. Okay. <laughs> the high school life I did yeah, not yeah, live. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, never, I never lived that. But, but I watched But I watched a guy. I, I, I saw a guy. I, mean, I imagine a fella who looked a lot looked like, like me. He was, he was loving it. Looked a lot like James Spader. But <laughs> It looked very small in the Jeep. <laughs> um, okay, so I have a question for you. Uh, we're talking about, a tr- a, you know, a band's maturation, a band's kind of growth process, and, and it plays out. Like, when you have a band like this that is as, as prolific as they are, you kind of can hear, like, every iteration of their progression from one to another. Um, now, how much of that has to do with just being... You know, like you get better at your instruments and you just get more familiar with like what a studio is and what you can do in a studio and what things are available to you. I mean, how much how much of that plays into it? It's got to be a lot, right? Oh, a ton. I think. I mean, yeah, when, when you're so, in, you know, in, enveloped in that environment, you, you what? start to, yeah. Uh, and if you're not touring presumably spending more time just recording in general, even if you're just recording at home. Right. I think a lot of it has to do with like, like 
you know, okay. I mean, we're talking about like just recording by yourself, but I mean, if you're like playing music with people in general, it has a lot to do with the relationships between the people. It's like the musicianship is, should be good. It needs, it needs to be good. It should be. But like, if you can get along with that guy, you know, it's like people can't get along. That's the thing. Sitting in Have you seen, um, there was a documentary called Hired Gun mm-hmm. and it was on Netflix and it's about uh, touring, like musicians who get hired to tour, like mm-hmm. guys like Alice Cooper hire a band to, right. to take on the road with them. Yep. Um, and uh, Rob Zombie was talking about, about it and he was like, you know, it's not enough to just be good at the guitar. Like, there's a bazillion people that are good at the guitar, but I gotta want to spend seven hours sitting next to you on a bus in between shows. <laughs> like, so you gotta be like amazing at the guitar and not a dick. Yeah, and, 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 that's, and that's kind that of the reality. The pool but considerably. Yeah. This is why I spend so much time alone. There you go. Um. All right. Um. So Jimbo, you wanted to touch on how these guys didn't write together, which is yeah. I think it's pretty I find it interesting. I do too. And and honestly, there may have been uh co-writing moments that I, I haven't come across as much. But I think that uh in general they they wrote the songs that they sang. And um I think you can kind of feel it throughout the entirety of their entire catalog. It's like it's a they're always doing backups for each other. They're always strong in that way. And some of the vocals are like outstanding like they're literally world-class you know amazing amazing vocals um between the two of them and they probably brought in some people but we won't talk about that it's your, your peebo bryson's your, not you know, pe- not peebos i said people. No, no, no. <laughs> people, pe- no, not peebos people 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 uh, bryson was very good I'm not how saying many peebos does it take to make a record how many peebos does it make a people one the answer is one one you are correct. <laughs> um, I just I think it's interesting to for them to have found a, a a partner and a bandmate who it seemed like both of them are very willing to be like no no we'll just we'll we'll do your song and then we'll do my song like it takes a lot of to like not let egos get in the way when you have <laughs> songwriters who are not writing songs necessarily together to put them all on a record and make it sound like a cohesive record yeah is. Special. Yeah, the cohesiveness is the impressive part where at some points you, you might not even know which song, you know, who's doing I mean, obviously, unless you listen to the records and you know who's singing, but it doesn't necessarily mean one thing or another. They all work on the record, which is, it, it, I, I feel like, is more rare to have two very distinct personalities or, or separate entities writing the songs to make it sound like that yeah and the fact that they were able to take all these songs on this record i mean i'm talking about skylocking again but make them all uh sort of fit in a in a in a in a row like a narrative yeah Yeah. like a narrative like a very very clear narrative that i never saw as i was you know drinking beers and smoking pot as a younger person I, I hadn't either. Literally yeah, until today, it took me where I'm, I'm getting like three quarters of the way through it. And I'm like, wow, this is, I, I feel like I'm. It's telling a story. I'm getting a story right now. Yeah. yeah. This is a whole. 
Wow. You know, I just, they're reading me a book or, you know, I just like a movie. It's, like, it's a musical, score, no or, acting. Or a music, yeah. Right, <laughs> right. It's it's in my mind. It, it, it's it's being acted out in my mind, yeah. which is cool. I, I really never had that experience until yes, today. It's pretty really. cool. I love this record. I just got to say. But we're not talking about that yet. Or are we? Yeah, oh, we have, are. Have at it. This is like a, oh, this, everything well, that you studied is on this test. All right, so listen. <laughs> The first five songs literally tell the story of adolescence up to like, you know, like exploration of let's get married and raise a family, meow, meow, meow. And then it becomes about God questions and like questioning your existence. And it's it's just like a magical journey through it's like it's like 10 minutes into your heart, you know? It's it's beautiful. I've lived and listened to this record for a long, long time. And I've always thought it was it was sort of magical. And I agree with you, Will, that the uh, 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 Supergirl song is like little, kind of like a little shiny pop gem in the middle of the record. It, mm-hmm. it really is right in the middle of the record. It yeah. Just is a- it's like, uh, well, you've just had your lunch. Would you like some dessert? And you're like, well, I'm not sure. And then you get this I'm little sure, taste. Maybe, maybe I am a bit peckish. Something <laughs> <Yeah>, <laughs> sweet. Um, and I, th- I think that pudding. that's... It does its job. That song does its job. And then like yeah. 10,000 Umbrellas and actually the previous song, I, I feel like those. Ballet are, for a Rainy Day. Yeah. So they're talking about rain and the effects of rain. They talk about painting things that in rain or of nature, like painting. Painting and rain are combined in both those songs or maybe the next one. doesn't matter. Um, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of... Um, Looking back also, like, like between like one guy's song and the other guy's song. So that song already came, but I'm referencing his lyric from before. That happens a few times. It's a pretty cool record. It's, it's, it's kind of awesome. It, it's a great record. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like to, to kind of put a bow on it, like it just is amazing to me that, that you can have the same band and like these, these records are perfect for what they're perfect for. Like drums and wires is something I would listen to like at work in the kitchen to like, get me going. Like, it's just like, Oh yeah. So energetic. So yeah. Yeah. Very much like Diva. Um, and, and then, uh, Skylarking is like what I want to listen to when I get home from that long day and I'm having a beer and I just want to like chill out with the same guy, Andy Partridge. Yeah. And and it's, it's just amazing that, that they have had in, in, each album is perfect for that situation in the same yeah. band, it, which really blew me away. I was, I was impressed. I, I was also, I was, I gotta say, I was expecting to know some of the songs on these records, and I didn't. Like that was something that struck me is that because I, I've heard of this band, and I, I kind of, you know, like to think that I'm somewhat in the know or whatever. I just like most. I feel for me, most most bands from the '80s that I have heard of but not listened to when i listen to an album of theirs i'm like oh that one i i know that one but that didn't happen to me on these ones there's not a lot i mean the only song i think i've ever known until i really got into it was making plans for nigel i, I that seemingly has been their overall biggest hit um the other big the other one is senses working overtime comes up a lot oh yeah not yeah, yeah i guess that does too sure um i don't know that's like kind of the only other one um I miss having those. I don't. Yeah, 
we we would always throw those songs on the on like a Westie playlist. Nah, they're they're well, good to like because Meter was such a huge know. fan, such a huge fan True. of the XTC. But they're like good, the so, like they're good, like you know, for like that kind of just a fun throwing it in there on a you know a bar mix. It works. You can you can put it in there. Yeah, definitely. And this is definitely one of those like this is like an instant credibility band. Like you throw this on the mix, somebody who knows it'll be like, oh, whoever put yeah. this on here like, like, knows what they're XTC. doing. No, it's yeah. on, it's on it's on like a Simon Pegg and Nick Frost films. It's like once it's in yeah. their soundtracks, then you know yeah. that it's it's <laughs> yeah, arrived. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's arrived to the, to the <laughs> fucking Americans. Well, those dudes were probably horrible people. You know, coming up right across the, time. the pond. <laughs> we're awful. We don't know how to appreciate things. Oh, no, we're, we're a bunch of tasteless jerks. Your music <laughs> and your white ways. And why isn't there more sugar in your food? Anyway, <laughs> uh, do you guys have anything else you want to say about these before we get out of here? Um, I just want to say yes. I, I don't think that you guys truly understand how important these records that we just talked about were to me. They were kind of like a, my whole life for a lot of years. I would drive around for hours and hours and hours listening to both these records. Super important. I wish that everyone would give these a good listening, both of them. Yeah. Um, I do have a question, and I know this isn't a versus episode or anything specific, but is there a favorite? Do do you guys have favorites? Have have you chosen oh, okay. one? Let's that Let's do like? this. Okay, so I, I can't. Um, I can't do that. I can't. I. I'm not. You guys gonna, can I'm guess gonna, which one's my favorite. But well, I think obviously the punk run. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that one is. What do you think, Brian? I. Oh, go ahead. Drums and drums and wires. I loved from from the rip. Skylarking is. It just took me a little longer to get into, but once I got into it, it's it's also amazing. But I feel like. If I'm being 100% honest, Drums and Wires is the one that I will listen to more. That would make sense. Forward. I mean, I think probably overall me too, but today I I, I literally – I always kind of just thought Drums and Wires was, you know, uh, my go-to more than Skylarking would be. But it hit me and something happened and this record just took over my life and – it's kind of the best thing ever to me right now. So, yeah, I kind of I had a, a little bit of change of heart, a little flip flop today. One thousand umbrellas will do that to you. That will, yeah. Little change right of base. You can change a man. It will change a man. <laughs> All right. Okay. So that is the show, ladies and gentlemen. We hope that we have inspired you to spend a little more time actively listening to music, particularly music by XTC. If you're feeling frisky, you can stay tuned after this outro for a section we call The Lounge, where we get a little loose and talk about this day in music history and a Billboard Top 10 from back in the day. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please tell a friend. Subscribe and rate and review us and share us on your social media. If you're feeling super, super generous and you wanted to go on Apple Podcasts and give us five stars, well, that would just be amazing. Uh, you can subscribe to the show on all the major podcast platforms, including Spotify. If you search for Music Mostly Pod on Spotify, you'll find the show. But also, if you scroll down, you'll find our user profile. And that's where you can find the playlist for all the shows. You can follow the user profile as well as following the show. It's a little convoluted and stupid. And for that, we apologize. We have no control over the way Spotify 
does that. Uh, you can check out our website at musicmostlypod.com. You can find and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at musicmostlypod. You can hit us up at musicmostlypod at gmail.com if you would like to get in touch. For Jimbo and Brian, this is Will signing off. We will see you in the lounge in just a minute. Welcome to the lounge, ladies and gentlemen. This is the portion of the show where we uh, have a drink or two, talk about this day in music history. Sometimes Jimbo airs some grievances. Not tonight. Not tonight. Not tonight, baby. He is in Summer's Cauldron. (laughs) Um, So today, as we record this, it is April 26th. Uh, In 1966, Dusty Springfield was at number one on the UK singles charts with You Don't Have to Say You Love Me. Singer's oh. only UK number one. When re- when recording the track, she was not satisfied with her vocal until she had recorded forty seven takes. So that's that is, that's the same song I was just talking about. Breakfast in bed. I was calling it breakfast in bed. Um, you don't have to say you love me. Oh, okay, it's the same song. Mm. And it's a beautiful song. It's one of my favorite songs. My favorite version is the Hortense Ellis version. Probably like mid-70s. Okay. (laughs) Putting that out there. Fantastic. Just putting it out there. Uh, In 1980, Blondie were at the number one on the UK singles chart with Call Me. Yeah. Yeah. She's pretty awesome. That was really great. What a great yeah. moment in music. Like, think about yeah. the 80s, and that was like where, like, you know, she was like the female sting in that moment, you know? It was like, like coming out and being like awesome, like aggressive female. That was an awful female. thing to say. Female That's the worst sting. thing I've ever said. Um, I think she was like a striped sweater. Did Debbie Harry dirty. Debbie. <laughs> Sorry, Deborah. Debbie Dirty Harry. Like, oh, boy. That's like, oh, man. I would say she was much more like the female Joe Strummer. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sting. Let's do that. <laughs> and also, let's let's, uh, let's just let's, let's rewind it and we'll wow. do it that way. I really made a bad choice in that one. Ten Summoner's Tales. Uh, she, was, she was the female Eddie Partridge. <laughs> oh. And he brings it. I still have a crush on Debbie channel. Harry, so it's fine. I still have a crush on Andy Partridge. And Deborah Harry. And Deborah Harry. Oh, man. Uh, in 1982, Rod Stewart, out on a day's shopping, was robbed by a gunman of his $50,000 Porsche on Hollywood Boulevard. How the hell are you going to take <laughs> Rod Stewart's Porsche yeah. at gunpoint on Hollywood on Boulevard? On Hollywood goddamn Boulevard. Like, how does that even happen? I mean, clearly, I'll, this I'll, was in a time where. Did they catch him? They must have caught him. I, you get the follow up information? I don't. This I don't. is 1982, oh, man. man. You could get away Come with stuff on, like that. Will. <laughs> I, I know. Well, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm second, maybe third rate journalist. <laughs> <laughs> first rate, first rate website copy paster. You're very good at that. <laughs> I, I, I've seen a trend in your work that I'm really yeah. appreciating. Um, if there was an award. I don't know who goes to. I don't know who goes to. Not sure right now. I don't, I don't, it's just I, the workshopping it. It's just a. It's the trophy is just like Clippy, the Microsoft art guy. <laughs> You're very close. You're very very close. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. 
1990, Nirvana appeared at the Pyramid Club in New York City. The band's label Sub Pop filmed the show, and the performance of In Bloom was later used as a promo clip. 1990. Promo clip for what? Very nice. I don't know. For like a boil cream? Or like a... No, no, probably a promotional clip for the band. For Sub sub Pop, it seems. Or yeah, either that or Sub Pop. Maybe they're trying to make a few dollars on boil cream. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they were, that was 1990. That was before. Never. That was like before. Smells like Teen Spirit. And they're like, I don't know, guys. Licensing this song, Boil Cream, was our best shot of making money with these guys. <laughs> In an alternate reality, that's that's how they were actually famous. <laughs> oh. Oh. oh, my side. Oh, All right. <clears throat> oh. Jimbo just fell off the Zoom comms. I assume he'll be back in a second. I assume he pushed the button inadvertently. I would imagine. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> 1994, uh, Grace Slick pleaded guilty to pointing a shotgun at police in her California home. Mm. She claimed she was under stress because her home had burned down the previous year. She was later sentenced to 200 hours of community service and told to attend four AA meetings a week for three months. Huh. That's a lot. She, uh, yeah. That's 48 meetings. Well, uh, when, I guess when you point a gun at police, I mean, you're lucky you're alive, so. <laughs> it's true. You're not wrong. You are not wrong. <laughs> in uh, 2008, Amy Winehouse spent the night in custody after being arrested on suspicion of assault. Police said Winehouse had been in no fit state to be questioned when she arrived at the London station, and she was kept in the cells. 24-year-old was to be questioned about an incident said to have occurred three days earlier after a 38-year-old man claimed he was assaulted. <sighs> Amy Winehouse's well, life was just so tragic. Yeah. So, just heartbreaking. Yeah, that was a... Just, yeah, awful, awful, awful. Awful, awful, awful. Uh, born today, born on April 26, 1938, Maurice Williams from American doo-wop singer who had the 1960 U.S. number one with Stay with the Zodiacs. Also a hit for Jackson Brown. The Hollies always makes me think of Dirty Dancing. Okay, that makes, <laughs> all right. I never knew that was, uh, you know, Maurice Williams. So, yeah, there we go. Uh, uh 1945, Tony Murray of the Trogs. Was born. They had a song called um, "Wild Thing." I believe I've heard of that. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, I mean, when you're like a, a pretty much a one-hit wonder, like sixty years later, still everybody knows that. Everybody just knows the one song. Yeah. Um, I used to have this. Uh, Live Hendrix record. I think it was live. I think it was Monterey Pop. But he does a version of that song, which was awesome. I used to play on the guitar. It's not a hard song to play. It's a really hard song to play like Jimi Hendrix. I, yeah, right. <laughs> I was going to say, that's when, you know, you take a song that's not hard to play and make yeah. it incredibly hard to play. Uh, in 1960, Roger Taylor, drummer with Duran Duran, was born. Happy birthday to him. He's now 61 years old. Very nice. Uh, Duran Duran had a couple hits, if I remember correctly. I mean, maybe. <laughs> maybe. 
1970, T-Boz from TLC. She's 51 years old. T-Boz. Yeah. Man, I can't. I can't believe she's 51. I mean, then again, I can't believe I'm going to be 43. Ah, so. uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, man, TLC was just the shit back in the day. Yeah, they they really came along and were just so powerful. Like, yeah, just out of nowhere. Like, yeah, fuck you. Kind of sh- yeah. like, I loved it. Mm. And all their songs were just like calling out bullshit. That was yeah. essentially like now is finally actually being called out. Um, so yeah, nine okay. top ten hits. Nine, nine. Yeah, creep waterfalls, no scrubs. Um, and their first album, ooh, on the TLC tip, that album was freaking hot fire. Yeah, it was. Friends, ain't too proud to beg. Oh yeah, uh, baby, baby, baby. Oh. That is that is gold. Lisa Left Eye Lopez, may she rest in peace. Uh, 1976, Jose Antonio Pasillas, the second drummer from American rock band Incubus, was born. Hmm. Um, I like Incubus, man. I, I like do like lot. Incubus. Yeah. I feel like they're... I hate to say underrated because everybody knows who they are, but I feel like they just didn't get as much credit as they deserved. I don't know why. I agree. I don't know why it, I feel that way? I feel like they were, I guess, better. They're a better band than people, than like their legacy would have you believe, if that makes sense. Right. Um, they also, I think they came at a time that there was a, a transitional time in music where mm-hmm. they maybe have fallen through a crack or two. Jimbo's back. There's Jimbo. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Welcome back. Cool. Sorry. We were just talking about Incubus. Um, the drummer from Incubus was born today. Oh, man. Just the other day, uh, Incubus song came up in like a video, and I was watching them. I was like, what? And I was like, damn. What a band. They're still out they there doing an incredible it. band. They have, oh, a, they so have a song on the radio uh, currently. Do they? Or I, recently, So anyway. my, my favorite Incubus song is the, the last song off of Morning View. It's called Aqueous Transmission. And it's, oh, yeah. Uh, has like a, sing, it, sing, sing it for us. I will not. But um, <laughs> it has a he plays like a in, like an oud, like the guitar player oud. Does. like oh yeah, and it's got or like it's like a sitar or something like that. But it's and it's got all these like cricket noises in the background. It's really good. I like that. Very nice. Um, so, uh, but we you know, back to the uh, skylarking with all the noises. Yeah, I believe those were, right, I believe those were aphids. If, uh, aphids. if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> I, I don't know why I'm thinking of aphids. Noisy, they climbed up from the drifting haze. Noisy, like noisy aphids. <laughs> oh well, yeah, you missed it. Roger Taylor, drummer of Duran Duran, yeah. also his birthday. Oh man, yeah. so the aphids climb up to the drifting haze. Yes, so there so you go. It's all full circle. Here we but Jimbo, <laughs> I am thrilled to tell you that you got back just in time to find out where the Grateful Dead played today in oh, 1972. And I'm going to say this wrong, but I'm going to try. They played wow. in. Uh, Jahrhunderthal in Frankfurt, German, Germany. That's how I would say Germany, that. I believe. That was actually probably better than I would say but, that, um, so well done. Um, this, yeah, I, th- I feel like it, was, it, was, it sounded a little better if you yelled it. <laughs> uh, well, the German language is very... Um, <laughs> it's, ro- it's, roman- language. it's romantic. It's, it's, a, it's a romance language. language. Jahrhunderthal! <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, oh sorry. 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 Be back in sorry, German for language. <laughs> I, did, I didn't mean it. <laughs> All right. And uh, okay, so Billboard Top 10 from April 29th, 1989. And the reason we're going to do this one is because this is. So on the Billboard Hot 100, the only XTC song to ever crack the Hot 100 was The Mayor of Simpleton. Oh, and, yeah. And um, that's the. The next record, yeah. Oranges and Lemons. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and so this is the week that that broke into the top 100. It was at number 92. Uh, All right. Okay. Now, so I swear I, I wasn't divining this from the past or the future, but number one that week is <laughs> Like a Prayer by Madonna. Nice. I did not there know that when I brought it up earlier, hmm, but apparently it in. came out in 1989. Everything's coming full circle tonight. <laughs> um. I love that song. It reminds me of like seventh grade oh, dances. Fuck yeah. But uh for me it was like song. like out of high school and inappropriate at the high school dances. Like yeah. I, I was supposed to be there, but I was there anyways. <laughs> you were that awesome. guy. Oh, you were that guy? <laughs> wow. Was that guy. You were like, no. like a like, Matthew yeah, McConaughey yeah. Like, days to confuse. You <laughs> like roll up in a no. pickup truck no. with a you know could, Oh God. You got like a lawn chair in the back with a cooler full of beer. <laughs> What are you doing? I'm chaperoning. Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> um, oh, man. Not funny. Oh, jeez. Number two is uh, possibly the greatest power ballad of all time, I'll Be There For You it's by Bon one. Jovi. It's a big one. Um, <sighs> I didn't mean to miss your birthday, baby. I wish I had seen you blow those candles out. <laughs> God damn. No. Um, that's a good one though. That is a good power ballad. That's up there with "I Remember You." I mean, that is. I don't want. I don't. I really don't want to give him any accolades or respect or pass. Oh, back. John Bon Jovi. You is have a to saint. He's a prince among men. I guess so. I guess he's done his thing. Okay, he's done his thing. He. Do you know what he's doing during COVID? He owns a restaurant in Philly and he's washing dishes in it. Yeah, he's like a real. Uh, he is the man. Salt of the earth kind of fella. Yeah. So now, now I'm a monster for having said you this are a monster. <laughs> bon Jovi's oh. people are coming after you, by the way. Yeah. Oh my God. Oh. The the Bon Jarmy. What's bon, called? Bon I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it's called the Bon Jarmy. Um, so pre- John Bon Jarmy. John Bon Jarmy. <laughs> it's coming. You're going to have some guy named Ron Bon Jovi at your door. Oh my God. He's really. Like, I am the illegitimate cousin. Of uh, somebody who thought that they were related. <laughs> I prefer the uh, the the SNL backwards spoof of uh, it's John, John Bovey. <laughs> uh, oh anyhow. man, John who? John Bovey. John Bovey. Oh, I got oh. that. I under, that I understand. Um, if his name's not Bond Scott, then he should be no Bond at all. Simon LeBon Scott. Simon LeBon Jovi. Okay, number three oh, is uh, Funky Cole Medea. Goddamn right. Tone Loke. Oh, yeah. Don't mess around Tone. with no Oscar Mayer Wiener. Gotta mm-hmm. make sure that the girl is pure for the Funky Cole Medina. Tone Loke. Funky Cole Medina. He had it Again. in the back of the throat. Yeah. It was like a like wolf. It was like a. Oh, that's with a, Wolfman Jack. That's a good tone. Yeah. Look. You just got to get low. back in there. You got to get low with it, though. 
In that song, he talks about about giving. He he talks about giving an aphrodisiac to his dog, and then his dog proceeded to hump his leg. That's he talks about that. That's that's some that's real shit. That's like some weird real life stuff. That is not acceptable. Like like, but it is funky. He he definitely did. You're like he did that, and now he just like made a song about it. And you're like, okay, Tomo, well played, well played. Uh, number four is She Drives Me Crazy by the Fine Young Cannibals. Yeah. I don't think they were that young. That snare. Oh, And I'm pretty sure they were not cannibals. Yes. That snare drum. They were, uh. The most recognizable. They were a ska band before, before this. Well, they were, he was, uh, some, they had members of, uh, English Beat. Yeah. Yeah. Members of English Beat were in Fine Young Cannibals, I'm that, pretty sure. I believe you are correct, in uh-huh. fact. Uh, number five, this is a track called Heaven Help Me by Dion Estes. I don't Do not remember that. that one. I don't either. I got nothing on that. Nothing. nothing. Zero. Zip. Zilch. N- nil. Nil. Now, number six nil. is The Look by Roxette, and that's, that's Okay, now, now that I remember. You got the look. You got the look. That Roxette, oh. underrated band. Their hits, yeah. their hits were solid gold. Oh, yeah. Their hits were in the pocket. Every one of them was just like so solid in the pocket. There was never any question about it. Everything no. was just so absolutely danceable and so awesome. Mm-hmm. They did it. And it was just like amazing danceable awesomeness. So, uh, Number seven is Second Chance by 38 Special. Hey, everything had a clunk, 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 clunk. Had like a, like a sort of, um. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, and then, and remember, let's not forget that you did the soundtrack to the, uh, um, uh, um, the movies with the Canadian main guys as policemen. I don't know. You're going to have to be a little more specific. I'm going to have to be able to get a little... Okay. you talk about um, Canadian bacon? Bro- broken broken Lizard? 38 no? okay. Special? They did the, the the theme to Super Troopers? Super Troopers. Both, both movies. Oh, really? I did not know that. 38 Special, yep. Huh. Yeah, That's look awesome. it up, bro. I'm, I'm, I'm not, we're not going to fact check hey, things on this show. stick with me, kid. You'll learn some <laughs> you'll, things. you pick, <laughs> pick up some tricks. Um... <laughs> Number eight is a track called Real Love by Jody Watley. I don't remember that. Oh, yeah. Wasn't there like a move with like holding the foot or something? I I don't. I don't know. I I don't know. All right. (laughs) Moving along. Number nine is called After All by Cher and Peter Cetera. Now, Peter Cetera is one of them Peebo Bryson type of guys that just was like. Well, Peter Cetera was a member of Chicago. Okay. Okay. Chicago, Chicago. Or Chicago. Chicago. I don't know how you, I don't know how you say it. Um, they have opinions he was about that guy pizza that, in that town. Yeah. I mean, or the, the thickness of the crust. Oh, it's delicious, though. I'm not going to lie to you. Literally, it comes down to. Yeah, so yeah. Um, Peter Cetera for the band Chicago. <laughs> what yeah. kind of man so, would I be living a life without any meaning? Was that Chicago? Did I have that wrong? Um, I, maybe. What kind of man would I be? Anyway. Are we talking about the band at this point or the, the Broadway it's, show? I, nobody knows what we're talking about right now. All right. Brian will help. Brian? Right. Yes. 
Am I wrong? Peter Cetera, Chicago. Oh yeah, is that Chicago? I was yeah. I... <laughs> Yeah. It's anyway. Chicago. I know Chicago, dude. Number ten. Right. Number ten is Forever Your Girl by Paula Abdul. Yeah. yeah. I, I've got strong feelings. For, pro are you pro Abdul? Anti. I just I just I just wish she hadn't become like sort of the um judge of like uh musical character on like like oh, the, mainstream the, television, the show you know, for a generation to be influenced. I don't think that was right. I don't think that was, I don't think she had, I don't think she was up to the challenge of doing I that. See. So this has nothing, absolutely nothing to do with her duet with MC Scat Cat on Opposites Attract. It literally has absolutely nothing let's to do not, with that. Let's Although not speak now ill I'm a little of bit that. influenced. <laughs> now that you said that. <laughs> Right, right. I wonder I'm who. Out. I wonder if the the person who did the the male voice on Opposites Attract was actually named MC Scat Cat, and then they were like, "Oh, we'll just draw a cartoon cat in the video instead of putting this guy in it." That would be amazing. Let me like a, like a sexy pimp cat, or or, or I wonder if they started off with like, "Well, listen, we're gonna make the video with the cartoon cat, so you're gonna have to be okay being billed as MC Scat Cat or not credited at all." <laughs> I just wonder how or that went down. maybe, well, maybe okay. The, the, well, okay. So maybe, maybe they made the video because of the man's name, mm-hmm. or maybe they made the man change his name as a result of the direction the video was going in. It's possible. I also believe that uh, the the C's in both scat and cat were actually K's. I believe it was S K A T M K A T M C scat cat. What do you think? What do you think the um, significance of that is? I don't know, but I did have to do a dance routine to that song in sixth grade gym class. So you did a dance routine. I did. Well, do you have a video of that dance routine? I, I don't. I don't. I would, I, I would love to see. That. If I believe me, I was. <laughs> that was the one year I went to Catholic school, and we were all in like a uniform, like a gym uniform, and it. The video was probably pretty special. Oh, but video technology existed. There may or may not be a video of that. There out may there. be a VHS of that because uh, it definitely like was like parents were there. Somebody probably recorded it. That's probably written down somewhere. Man, I would, I would really like to see that. <laughs> so someday I'll show you videos of myself being a, a weirdo as a child. That's, that's I have a, hours of it. Hours of it. It's a real hours. real Pugsley Adams. <laughs> <laughs> It's the weirdest thing. Oh, all right. Well, that's going to do it. You guys got anything else you want to say? Nah. Great. (laughs) Oh, that is it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you again so much for joining us. Until we meet again, always, always be better and get a victory every day.